Oh man, I'm so disappointed for you. <laughs> you should have let me know! Oh, you garbage human being. I accept no blame for anything ever. I know, that doesn't mean it's not your fault. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't me is not a valid defense, Joe. Episode 32 of WTF Anime, the show that asks one simple question. War. Huh. Yeah. Good God, y'all. What is it good for? I'm, of course, your host, Joe, and join me as ever is Travis. (laughs) Oh, that might be my favorite opening ever. (laughs) Oh, you like that one? (laughs) So good. So good. Hey, everybody. What's up? (laughs) Oh, oh, you got me. You got me. I'm glad I had 15 minutes to think about it before recording. Well, random <laughs> boss calls are what they are. Anyways, with that fantastic intro, what are we talking about today? Uh, today we are doing our recommendation from Matt Hoadley, who you might remember from last episode, where we watched Dragon Ball Z Abridged. I was shocked he didn't choose the abridge of this, because it's fast, like, shorter, much easier to digest. <laughs> And probably has, like, the same sort of humour this show has, but we watched Helsing Ultimate Episode 4. Oh, man. Um, well, first of all, let me uh, mention, Matt, since you mentioned him, too. He he introduced me to Abridgment, and he's now my hero, so there's <laughs> that. Yeah, so... I'm familiar with Helsing because I watched the originals way back in the day when they first came out and I was an angsty teen who was all into things vampire. You know, like you do as an angsty teen. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I I was a fake goth kid as, uh, as a teenager, so, like, I understand completely. Oh, you were the angstiest fake goth. I can picture it now. Oh. Yeah, yeah. God, do you have pictures of that? Can I see that? Can the odd... Can the audience see that? I I think they want to see fake goth Joe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you've watched the original anime. I did. I watched the original and I watched it subbed. So I've got I've got all the original voice actors, none of the accent. It's just all Japanese all the time, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I have watched all of Helsing Ultimate. And that's it. <laughs> oh, just just all of it. That's all you watched. Yeah. Oh, okay. All eleven episodes. There's eleven. It's eleven or ten. At at fifty six minutes a pop. By the way, if you don't know, guys, these episodes run long. Yes, this is a uh, OVA, which is an original video uh, animation, which is. Anime that is intended to be released solely on, like, DVD or VHS. Yeah, uh, and 
if everyone thought that Joe was all smart and whatnot, he totally Googled that before the episode, because I asked him what the hell that stood for. No, I knew what it was, and then realized that I couldn't confirm it, then confirmed it. So what you're saying is, you guessed what it was, and your guess turned out to be right. Whichever is more impressive. <laughs> I guess we'll find out what makes it into the final show. <laughs> <laughs> you editing son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so we should probably talk about the actual episode. <laughs> no, no. We should talk about how you watched the wrong version of this show. Nobody told me there was a right version of this show, in my defense. <laughs> the right version is clearly the dub. <laughs> But everyone argues against dubs every other time. I figured, okay, Crunchyroll, here we go. But nope, apparently it led me astray. Nope. The dub version is amazing because they try to do German accents and it's the best. They try to? Are you saying they fail miserably at it? There are some people who are very good. It's mostly like background characters that are awful. Like, as we'll get into in the first scene... The major, our main antagonist, comes across a colonel who has probably the most forced German accent I've ever heard. Oh, man. Although, you know, I will say on the German accent front, listening to Japanese people who are not trying to do an accent speak actual German words, because they do uh, sometimes during this episode, man, that is a weird mashup of language coming yeah, together, yeah. buddy. Oh, but... <laughs> It's it's really weird. It's how, cool. how did they ever align in World War II? There's just too much clash there. I don't get it. Sh should we? Can we talk about the show? Yeah, now? yeah, we can. <laughs> Look, man, I, I got to be done in an hour and twenty minutes. I've got to go and play some Star Wars. Okay, we're on the clock. <laughs> if this runs an hour and twenty minutes, it's the extended OVA version of our show. That's what it is. <laughs> so. We kick off this episode with uh, a long shot of a Zeppelin uh, over narration of some Italian man talking about this major guy and how he was like, he's super fat and doesn't look like an SS officer. And we see kind of like over this narration, uh, the major walking towards a group of Nazi officers, because this show is about Nazis and vampires. <laughs> if you can't figure out who your protagonist should, or your antagonist should be in any show, you just choose Nazis. I mean, they're the go-to. It's easy. Everybody loves fighting Nazis. Yeah, end statement. Hard stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's then revealed that our narrator is being interrogated by Enrico Maxwell, who is the leader of the Iscariot organization in the Vatican. By the way, I have to ask, is the Iscariot organization, which is kind of weird because that was Judas's last name, he, mm -hmm. should, he shouldn't be real popular amongst, uh, <laughs> but is that just where they put all the wackadoo priests? Because that guy's face is fucking unhinged. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is... The Iscariot organization is, like, the, sort of like the spy network, but also all the crazy people. <laughs> this, here's the people that we send to do things that we don't want to recognize, at, like, at all. And, and then, yeah, yeah, also we have spies, apparently. 
That, that's his carry. Okay. I, I'm down. Okay. I'm rolling. I'm rolling again. <laughs> so, so we get this uh, Italian priest basically getting called out on 55 years ago, you helped the Nazis do things because we Italians, like, we're proud and definitely didn't serve the Nazis at any point. Mussolini was not a thing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so then we come to that to the Major walking up to presumably other Nazi officials. One of them is, is a colonel. Uh, and the colonel is really angry because he has heard nothing about why we need 1,000 vampires. And then starts beating the shit out of him. Because the major says, these were instructions given to me by the late Fuhrer. And something about that line is just incredible to me. Oh yeah, he only died like last week. He's the late Fuhrer, not 55 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the late Fuhrer. Um... Yeah, so th there is that, and you know, in the scene, there's also there's like some some weird wheelchair bound people that I d I, d I don't understand what that's all about. It's it's really weird because I mean the Nazis weren't real big on on anybody that was in any way disabled. Yeah, I think the the implication is um, because we see like the colonel who is like the most active of the shadowy group of Nazis who walks up to. It's been fifty five years since the end of World War Two, and these are like supposed to be the generals that survived. So of course, like health fails them. Okay, okay, I, I I'm on board then. I, I see, I see. That makes more sense. <laughs> this is really like very layered intro sequence because we also see like the division of the Helsing organization who are in Brazil which is Alucard, Ceres Victoria and the Dutch guy that I can't remember the name of <laughs> uh, I can't even help you uh, or wait, was that, are you talking about you're not talking about Anderson are you? No, no, Anderson comes up in a bit Okay, okay There's the ponytail guy and for some reason I can't remember the dude's name yeah, I know who you're talking about. The guy with the eye patch. Uh, that's all I got. Yeah, I don't even. I don't, you know what? I don't, I'm not even sure that they mention his name in this episode. So no, they don't in this episode. He's established, and we know who he is. But I just look. I've not watched this for a very, very, very long time. <laughs> the closest thing I've watched is the abridged, and they make him French. So. <laughs> That's Shrug. amazing. <laughs> oh man, you know what? Later I'm going back and watching the abridged. I have to. Is it also a four star production? Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Matt Hoadley. <laughs> it's it's kind of like the best. So we cut into a conversation that Alucard is having with Sir Integra about well, you need to get here because the Queen has ordered the round table to assemble and discuss Nazis. Uh, and Alucard basically says, oh yeah, did it like fire your loins up when you started like declaring war? And Integra's all blushy and throws the phone down. Yeah. You know, I've got to say something. Uh, this show, there is a, a surprising amount of of androgyny amongst uh, s some of the characters. Like, in Integra uh, is always referred to uh, in the male, but does not necessarily present so. It kind of 
She. She? Is it a she? It is a she. But they refer to her in the mail. Yes, I I think that's more kind of a... I think it's more of a positional sort of thing. Like, she is head honcho of the housing organization. She is a sir. Oh, or She's okay. a knight, but I, I, in my head, the way I've always thought about it is um, she's been knighted, and the kind of archaic structure of monarchy and knighting people is much more dominated by males, but she's proven herself so much that they're just like, sure, we'll give you this position, but here is your title. Okay. But even so, so she, do- she does look super androgynous. <laughs> right, the, there's not uh, there's not a good way to tell wh- which way that... Yeah. <laughs> uh, on which side of that line she falls, and that's okay. But anyways, moving on, moving on. So we cut from there... <laughs> to back with the Nazis and um <laughs> this colonel is just starts beating the shit out of the major because like he won't tell him why they need stuff and then his cane gets shot and we get kind of the shot of like the main kind of captains of uh, millennium yes we've got in the shot and I'm going to be awful at remembering names cuz I only remember like two of them but we got scythe bitch the doctor <laughs> The captain of the Lupine Brigade, I think it is. He's like the only werewolf. Uh, we have Rip Van Winkle, who is hev- uh, featured heavily in this show, or this episode, and the best one, Schrodinger. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of the other Nazis like turn on the old command and murder them. Yep, sure do. Man, for, for a minute there, because... Rip Van Winkle is such an odd name for that character. I thought it was like some weird nickname when when uh Arucard is talking to to her, like later in the episode. Like they keep referring I didn't know if it was like a code name or what, but I'm like it's <laughs> like it's a really weird draw. I can't confirm if like that's her real name or a code name. But maybe Rip Van Winkle, before he went to sleep for like a thousand years or whatever that old fairy tale is, was a hunter? I don't maybe. know. And real badass with a musket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so from there we cut back to the interrogation. There's a lot of jumping around here. Um, and something that occurs a lot in this show, and particularly noticeable in just this opening part, is there are a lot of times where characters' faces are exclusively in black, just yes. with eyes or either like a lot of people wear glasses, so like that's glinting, or their smile is glinting. Yeah, they 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 black out a face with the exception of maybe a uh, like glinting mouth and eyes uh, is just. I mean, even in this one episode, man, that is used a lot, and I don't know if it's because they just don't want to draw more face, or if that's just a stylistic <laughs> choice or what, but you definitely, definitely notice it. Yeah, I think with an OVA, usually they definitely have the kind of budget for animation stuff. So I, it's a very, very stylistic choice, I think, because it's kind of shown to be menacing or to be insane. Yeah. Uh, they they do a lot of work with insane with the eyes in this one, 
and yeah. how one eye is not going to be right is is basically your marker for I'm not playing with a full deck. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so speaking of not playing with a full deck. Yeah. We cut back to the Helsing squad and Anderson rocks up. Oh, yeah. And oh my god, Anderson is amazing. <laughs> I love him so much. He is bananas. And he has been since forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's just a priest that likes to fuck things up with uh, his, his weird scythe slash swords. They're bayonets. They're like the bits that go on the end of a rifle, but he just carries them around and stabs people. <laughs> yeah, because that's a sensible, sane decision to begin with. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> is this dude not a priest as well? Yeah, he's a priest. Yeah, I thought so. He's he's your favorite one with the gloves. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know what? They were just killing with that thou shalt not kill thing, you guys. Don't worry about it. Because <laughs> this dude is straight up a murder priest. <laughs> <laughs> he's um he's what I assume every paladin turns into in a D&D game. <laughs> Well, it depends. Run well, no, but usually there's there's paladin trauma because every DM from back in the day was just like, oh, look at all these rules I can dick you over with, paladin. I'm going to do yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he walks into this motel where the Helsing group are hanging out and then just starts punching Alucard. <laughs> yeah, by the way, this fight looked dumb. It was literally, nobody's dodging or trying to defend themselves whatsoever. They're just like, I'm going to punch you in the face. No, I'm going to punch you in the face. Just back and forth. Why would they dodge? That shows weakness. Uh. So after, after like, a punch fest and Sarah's trying to, like, bash his skull in from behind him with her giant-ass rifle, uh, he throws a, um, it's like an edict at the wall, basically saying, you can use our private jet so you can get home. This is the weirdest messenger service I've ever seen. Like, I'm just going to come in, I'm going to beat some ass, and then I'm going to dagger the message to the wall, and there you go. That's what you paid yeah. for. <laughs> Look, people would pay for that service. Uh, well, I actually was going to ask where I could get that service, because I, I might actually, <laughs> I might employ them. <laughs> And the last, the last scene of the opening is the guy who is being interrogated uh, getting shot in the back of the head, uh, and then his blood dripping out off the table onto the floor to spell out the name of the show. Yes, and in case you're wondering, it's not an implied shot in the back of the head. Oh no, we get the visual of his head dropping with less front head available uh, mm -hmm. onto the table. And the blood just runs from the head, and we pan down to the edge of the table where it's now running off. Okay, this show is very bloody. <laughs> you know, this show taught me that just because it's not a spear doesn't mean it's not a spear. <laughs> okay. No, no, we'll talk about it. It's just way later in the episode. We got we got a long road to hoe. We just opened up, man. Don't don't you worry. Just remind me later. To explain, I learned things that aren't a spear can be a spear. Oh. 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 Oh, you got it. You got it. Oh. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. So. After the title sequence where we see, uh, we see the little phrase, uh, repeated that's on Alucard's coffin. The bird of Hermes is my name, eating my wings to make me tame. Now, I love that, and I'm sure it's in some way significant, because I don't remember that at all from the original series. Do they ever explain what the hell that means, or did they just make up some gobbledygook? I think it's the kind of thing that is supposed to sound prophetic. Okay, they they don't, they don't go into it? Okay. I think, because it's it's about, like, restriction, isn't it? Yeah. It's about sacrificing your own body to be able to be tamed. Kind of, sort of, yeah. Does Alucard do that? Mm. Mm. He has a restriction placed on him. Yes. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So, now we get to the, like, the roundtable meeting. Alucard, Ceres, and uh, Dutch Dude show up. And, um, God, I, I love this scene, but I know I probably, like... Nationally, I shouldn't be able to enjoy this scene of a, like, millennia-old vampire flirting with the Queen of England. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of weird. It was kind of weird. It's it's especially fun as, like, the last time they met, Alucard, because he was fighting in World War II, had the body of a little girl. Well, no. Uh, Alucard still had the body of a vampire, because he's a vampire. The queen had a body of the little girl. No, 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 no. Alucard had the body of a little girl. Uh, what? Oh, okay. Fuck this. Fuck this. <laughs> I'm out now. Okay, so the queen says we haven't spoken or, like, talked to each other for, like, 50 years. Alucard then goes to explain, like, here's what millennia is. They were trying to, like build loads of vampires. We see young Walter, and then we see Alucard, who is a little girl. Yeah, I... Uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> I thought the queen. Jesus Christ. I, I don't know. Oh, man. Fuck this. Wait, that's where you draw the line on this? I don't... Okay, so this whole thing... I'm not saying the story was bad. What I'm saying is they took 56 minutes to tell what they could have in half that time. And that wore on me a little bit. Like, may, okay, let, let's call it 36. We'll give, we'll give them an extra 13 minutes. They still could have just as effectively told this story. And I don't think we would have been missing out on anything but just slow panning shots of people going to do things. This is literally the animated version of a Peter Jackson film. <laughs> or or this is, you know, The Dark Knight Returns. That movie, not bad. If you edited it, it'd be great. It's too long. Strongly disagree, but okay. <laughs> oh, that movie could use some editing. It could. It could also use, I don't know, a different plot. Um... Removing certain factors entirely. Oh, no, buddy. If you want to do an entire episode on that movie, we can break that on down sometime. But I don't feel like that that's the anime crowd that we're speaking to it's, right now. It's not technically an anime. No. Being that it was shot with live actors and there's yeah, no yeah. animation. So, yeah, I get that. I, I, I see what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> 
So getting back to the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the best character shows up. The best character. Okay. I know who you're talking about. I have questions. <laughs> okay. What is that? Ca- is that is that like a henga yokai? Because um, we got like like a little fox ear thing going on here. It's Schrodinger. Uh huh. It is a cat boy named Schrodinger, who is both alive and dead, and everywhere and nowhere. Yay! They did the joke and the thing. Yep. And they made that into an entire character. Yep. And he's the best. Except he doesn't do shit in this episode, but just kind of hang out with a box. He sasses everyone. He sasses everyone and hangs (laughs) hangs out with a box that's basically a television. It's Schrodinger's box, but he's not in it. The cat is not in it. Yeah, yeah, I, I get the pun. It's terrible, but I get it. <laughs> but there's no accounting for taste. Yeah. So. <laughs> so Schrodinger rocks up, stares with uh, Ceres for, I think, like 15 to 20 seconds before breaking and saying, Guten Tag. Well, that's keeping in the character with, with being a cat. Cats will just walk in and stare at you. Yeah. <laughs> Before they actually really acknowledge you as as something other than just a thing that they're gawking at. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And just to prove how good the abridged version of this show is, like, I've seen this episode before. I thought for sure his his line was, um, we would make beautiful children. And then I realized (laughs) that once he said good in targets, oh, that's the abridged version. Guys, if you can't tell which version of this Joe likes best, refer to his last comments. They both have their merits. No, see, I can see the look on your face when you describe both of them. I know who I know who your favorite child is, Joe. I can see it. I can see into your heart, and I know. <laughs> it's actually really funny because like when Matt said, I want you to watch Episode 4, I was kind of disappointed, because there was an episode that I thought, like, Travis would be super in love with, uh, which is Episode 2 with the Valentines, and then I remembered that Schrodinger was in this episode, and I didn't care about Travis's happiness. (laughs) Yeah, to be fair, you rarely care about my happiness. Nope. For (laughs) For one time, I tried, and then, like, Sassy Catboy showed up, so... You know where my priorities lie. For a brief moment, a brief shining moment, Joe tried to join the the human race, feeling empathy for his fellow man, and then a catboy happened. Yep. All right. I mean, we have barely touched this episode. We gotta get moving, buddy. (laughs) We should. So, Schrodinger is carrying a television, which basically shows the assembled good guys Here's the Major talking about his genius plot to create a world war, but with vampires this time. And there's kind of a bit of back and forth. He murders the rest of the uh, German commanders who we saw earlier. And he has probably my favorite line in this episode when um, Maxwell, like, makes some remark. The Major says, 
if my madness is allowed to spread across the world, and a god who allows that is supposed to be good, wouldn't it make more sense that he is a madman like me? And I love that line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see where you would. Now, that said, to characterize this character in just a quick sum up, I'm going to say he is Nazi Joker. That That's it. End of statement. He is Nazi Joker. Uh, he looks like a mishmash between the Japanese officer and the other big bad from uh, Indiana Jones and the Ark of the Covenant uh, as a visual. And he just has the tendencies of the Joker. And there you go. That is that is this character. That is the major. Yeah, they they really hit home like Joker tendencies when he starts talking about, oh, I don't have a purpose. For some people, the means justify any ends. Yep, yep, that is 100%. <laughs> so then he, he basically declares war on England, and the Queen says, yeah, go and murder them. Fuck them up. Yeah, she, she straight up says, uh, yeah, <laughs> murder them all. And that's when we get uh, we get the scene of Ayukard offing uh, Schrodinger in a very violent, bloody way. Like there's an eyeball flying when when he gets shot in the head. It's uh, that is gruesome. <laughs> oh, it's it's fantastic, and I love it. It is. And then everybody looks away to discuss a thing after they shoot the TV too, and they look back and. <gasps> Schrodinger's gone. Body's gone. There's there's no trace of him anywhere. And then we cut back to the Major, who is basically walking through a blimp, and, oh my god, Schrodinger's still alive, and just, like, sassing everyone. Cause Catboy. And then the Major basically says, right, well, it, initiating this operation, and then we see Zeppelins fly. We cut to... Rip Van Winkle, like, singing opera. Yep, uh, we're gonna get this a couple times in this episode. This would be the first. Now, the dub that I that I watched, I watched on the DVD, they didn't have subtitles, so I was just relying very much on my lackluster knowledge of German. From what I can tell, it's something to the effect of... Um, a wife sending her husband off to go and invade England? Uh, kind of, sort of. There's also some references to hunting, or is that the second one? The, se the second one is the hunting one. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we see, like, aboard this giant battleship, one of the British officers has been turned into a vampire and is murdering his entire crew. Yep, like you do. Um, So we get... Strewn bodies, she touches down on the deck of the ship with the uh, newly converted vampire officer uh, sitting there kind of waiting for her to greet. And he goes, you know, the ship is yours. And she starts asking him questions about, well, how did it feel to become a vampire? And he didn't really have an answer. She's like, ah, I see. Well, how did it feel to murder all of your men and know that you were a traitor. <laughs> kind of yeah. How did it feel to commit high treason and murder all of your men all in one night? <laughs> and then because she's so random, she just turns around and goes, I'm just kidding. Everything's fine. And then she like murders them. 
Well, yeah, I, I knew, I knew there was going to be some, some, some murder. She, she was setting up a, some murder. I don't know. It felt, it felt projected to me. Maybe I've just seen too many episodes where there's the, the crazy random person that asks a few questions or, or does whatever to enter a scene and then just goes to violence as the answer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it definitely feels like that kind of trope from a mile out. <laughs> So from there, like the rest of Millennium's forces, well, the Millennium Detachment jumps onto this battleship, and then we cut to Walter and Alucard having a talk about Ceres. And obviously, since you know what happened to Ceres, this isn't, oh, wow, this is shocking to me, or actually very good that they put in exposition during episode four, or it's just wasted time. I'm not sure. So they're talking about how Ceres hasn't drunk uh, hasn't drunk blood yet, and then we cut to probably the weirdest scene. <laughs> There's some. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, this is really weird and has some strange sexual undertones to it. Well, it's it's vampires. Like the entire etymology for vampire is sex. Let's all be honest. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Even in Brom Stoker's, it's all just... It's all sex. That's all it is. It's all sex. <laughs> yeah, basically, Ceres nearly throws up eating regular food, and then Integra walks in, cuts her finger, and then orders Ceres to kiss it better so she doesn't get an infection. Oh yeah, this is some kinky, weird, dumb blood play shit. For sure. There is a lot of blushing. Like, so, so much blushing. Oh, yeah. Uh, just just your average uh, vampire um, sub-blood play scene with two girls. You know, it's fine. It's fine. Run across totally it all the fine. time. It just means that we have, have to wait four more episodes until she actually drinks blood properly and turns badass, but eh. That's not this episode. It's not. So we should move on from what is one of, I don't, it felt, it didn't feel sexy. It felt awkward. <laughs> I don't know if they would go, it's definitely like, it's definitely a scene about sex, but it doesn't feel sexy. It feels awkward. Like neither one of them know what the hell's going on with that. Yeah. And it's, it's super weird as well, because like, Victoria reacts in the way that any person should act, in just like, this is, this is fucked up. Yeah. But you're my superior, so like, maybe you'll fire me, I don't know, so I'll just do it. The weird thing is, like, Integra does this whole, like, sexy play thing, and then is just like, yes, virgin's blood, your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> what?! She We're seems just a- so experienced, but, um... <laughs> We've already established she hasn't had blood yet. You literally said it yourself as you threw a blood bag on the table. <laughs> yup, yup, it's, it's, it's real good. So from there, we cut to the British Security Council. Oh no, there's, there's a little scene between uh, Anderson and uh, Maxwell. They talk about, like... Oh, here are all the divisions we've been given by the Pope to go and invade England. Great, cool. So then we have the British Security Council talking about, oh no, this thing that happened earlier, we're now telling you, the people, about it. 
So how do we get Alucard onto that boat? There's a few suggestions, but this is like a heavily armoured battleship. So they start talking about a Blackbird, which is a prototype stealth craft that they're just going to throw at the ship. You know what's weird in the sub? They actually mention an SR-71, which is a yeah, real yeah. plane. It is, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a real scout and reconnaissance plane uh, that has like a crazy altitude it can operate at and all this other stuff. So, yep, that's what they settle on uh, amongst all the things. And <laughs> they're setting up what is one of the most banana scenes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In the entire episode. They send in a distraction, which is three fighter jets to go fire missiles at the uh, battleship. And we get a bit more of an example of Rip Van Winkle's power slash her, her love of opera. Yes. In that with her musket, she guides bullets to blow up missiles. And like a single bullet is taking out all the missiles. It's just weaving across the battlefield. Blowing shit up, all the while she's, like, dancing, singing opera. It's fantastic. And it's a it's an opera about, um... It's an opera about two hunters. Mm-hmm. One of which is kind of learning from the other, and then steals from the other. And it gets talked about later. Like, the major... We come back to the major... Oh, do you know how this opera ends? The, uh... The hunter who you, Rip Van Winkle, represent is pulled to hell for their sins, yeah. which is in no way indicative of what happens. <laughs> oh man, there! I mean, cute. We're gonna get some. We're gonna get some strong Christian references coming up here. A lot, a lot, a lot. Um. So as that distraction's going on from directly above the ship, just straight up nose diving. At the ship, we have the SR-71, which contains none other than Ayukard himself. Yeah, so we see him in the cockpit, and then we see like all the guns turn on him, and Rip Van Winkle fires at him, and the thing gets like shot to hell, and then, um, oh boy. <laughs> so, Alucard releases the Cromwell Restriction. Uh, which is basically holding his power back. He's done it in a few episodes prior to this. Uh, and then he bonds with whatever the hell is left with the plane, spreads like shit ton of eyes and arms over the plane, and then just suicide bombs into the flight deck of this thing. Yeah. <laughs> which is awesome. Like, it sets the entire deck of the ship alight. And of course... The plane, which is stuck nose down in the f flight deck, is a burning crucifix. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so good. It's so cheesy. Like, oh, man, the weird Christ imagery just rammed down your throat, guys. <laughs> but that's Japan and their weird relationship with Christianity. I don't know if they know how to to unpack the, that whole deal sometimes. Well, I think I think we've talked about it before, or maybe I've talked about it offline. Maybe we covered it in the Evangelion. Christianity is a new religion to Japan. People have converted to it 
But there's still like this whole like Western mythology that sounds like really, really interesting. Like the Holy Grail is an interesting concept. You know, there are various aspects of Christianity that Japanese writers found super interesting. So they just throw it in to make their story sound cool. And it's only people who are more knowledgeable about that sort of thing who are just like, that's 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 weird and crazy. <laughs> well, to be fair, <laughs> <laughs> it's all weird and crazy, but that's cool. <laughs> no, it, it I, I get it that it's it's the exotic thing that they don't know much about. It's like when American authors will sometimes throw in voodoo just to give it the touch of the exotic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Buddhism is a fighting style. Sure. <laughs> we can go with that. Why not? So so then there's an awesome scene of Alucard like walking out onto the deck and all of these like Nazi soldier vampire soldiers like walking out and like riddling him with bullets, firing like Panzerfausts at him, and we see Alucard reform himself out of like this weird red darkness. Yep. It's like, we see his ribcage form together, uh, and we hear, like, screams of different people and different hands, which is a awesome, like, precursor to what the reveal is of how Alucard has this much power. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, a lot of the time when, when he's going full-on um, ham, he gets very Lovecrafty. Yes. <laughs> there's fucking eyes everywhere, there's tentacles and shit. I mean, yeah, it, it it it's very Elder God-esque. There are limbs that man cannot conceive of. Yeah. <laughs> they occupy dimensions not yet known. <laughs> <laughs> so then I think we get to what I'm going to assume is Travis's favorite part of this episode. And what is that? That is, all of the Nazi soldiers are dead, and... Alucard is walking up to a cowering Rip Van Winkle. Yeah, uh, he pins her against the wall and takes her her signature weapon, which is this old school hunting musket. Well, no, what happens before is rad, because she just starts, she shoots, because she only has one bullet from what it seems like. And it, like, pierces Alucard dozens of times, and then he cats it in his teeth and breaks it. Oh, yeah, okay. And then it's just like, well, you're out of weapons now. So was it the bullet that was magic the whole time and not the gun? Hmm. That's an interesting idea because normally, I mean, just logically, I feel like I want to ascribe the magical properties to the person or the gun itself, but it could be the bullet. I think it is the bullet because we see her load, like, the musket ball in a few times yes. after, like, she's done and done her zigzag thing. I think it is, like, just entirely the bullet. The musket hmm. is the kind of projection. Uh, I feel like obviously she as a vampire has some kind of mystic hand in it. But unless it, it's either like the bullet is somewhat magic itself, or she is stupid slash arrogant enough only to bring one bullet, and then she's controlling it. Yeah, that'd be re- that'd be real dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So hey, Alcott pins her up against a wall. He sure does, and takes said signature musket. And guys, do you remember when I said that today I learned that any <laughs> stick-like object can really be a spear if you want it to be hard enough? Here's where we learn this, because he literally pins her against the wall through the sternum, 
with her own musket. He just slow pushes it in. And, oh, but how long would you say this scene took? This was a solid oh, two Jesus. and a half, this was... three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the while, boy, she is making noises. Yeah, is she and not crying, having a good time? Salivating out the mouth and blushing. That's a lot of really weird emotions going on. I've never personally <laughs> been pinned to the wall by a musket, so I can't comment that it's wrong. But at the same time, I can also try to put myself in that place, and I don't feel like I'm going to be embarrassed so much as terrified and in pain. <laughs> Which feels the opposite of embarrassed, because I'm busy trying to shit myself or, uh, or not shit myself, one of those two, in terror and pain. <laughs> I just love the idea of her trying to be like super sundary about being stabbed and it's like it's not like this is hurting or anything blush <laughs> <laughs> that's ridiculous I, I've, I've, we've talked about sundary before haven't we not really or if we have I've forgotten oh no we've definitely talked about it because it's you it's me <laughs> yeah how's that We've covered this before, I'm certain. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go back and listen to every one of these damn things just because I I can't even recall. There you go. <laughs> We're down to the final scene. Yeah. The final seven minutes of this show. Oh, man. This felt like it took forever. It's a monologue, you guys. The last seven minutes are a monologue. <laughs> But it's the best kind of monologue. I don't know, because the Joker, when done best, doesn't get seven minutes of monologue. Because you could he could have said that exact same thing in less time, and it would have meant the same thing, and probably would have had the same punch. A lot of this whole monologue is basically... Okay, so, we have the Major in front of his entire army, on his Zeppelin, because Germany... Still fucking ridiculous. <laughs> it's so good. He is espousing the virtues of war. And throughout this, there are a few, like, very cool points to his character. But then there's also just, like, this repetition of, here is a thing that happens in war. Here is another thing that occurs in war. Here is something more specific to the German army. Here's another thing that happens in war. And this whole time he's basically saying, like, yeah, big fan of that. He is aroused, even. Yeah, and I think they could have gotten the, the point across much more quickly. This totally feels like, holy shit, you guys, we finished this episode too quick, and we are budgeted for some more time. We need to fill this out. There are certainly a few scenes in this episode that feel like where we need a few more minutes to, like, make the DVD worth its cost kind of thing. Right, right. So people feel like they're getting value. Yeah, for, yeah. For the, the cash they're putting out. And to be fair, if if you're in the UK and uh, looking on Amazon, uh, you can get this. You can get all of the episodes for like four quid each. It's very good. It's not bad. I don't, I don't know what the US equivalent of that's going to be, but I haven't checked the exchange rate in a while. 
Well, you watched on Crunchyroll, and like, if it's all on Crunchyroll, then yeah, yeah, it is on Crunchyroll. I didn't check if the dub was, but the sub definitely is. So yeah, we basically finished with the major talking about war and how it gives him a massive war boner. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so aroused when new recruits stab and stab with their bayonets. Yeah, man, I hope that's the actual what the character sounds like. In the dub, because I could go back and watch it, and this would probably have felt better. (laughs) The dub is fantastic. The lack of accent, I think, really, really hurts this this show. Well, that's because you watched the wrong version. Again, I didn't know there was a right version to watch, Joe. And apparently you had that knowledge, but didn't share. That's, That's what I do, man. And because Joe is the best at internet radios, he gave me thumbs up, just so everybody knows. I'm watching this happen right now. And now, an indifferent shrug, because he's a garbage monster. (laughs) So that was Helsing episode... uh, Helsing Ultimate, rather, episode four. Travis, what did you think? I think that now that I know that there's an abridged version of this, I'm real mad that Matt didn't tell us to watch that. (laughs) That's what I think. So, let's peek behind the curtain. Yeah. Matt sent me a message on Twitter saying, Okay, I have two suggestions, but it's going to be the abridged or the original series of a thing. You did this, didn't you, Joe? I sent back... Oh, I'd be very interested to find out what original series you would recommend. So, because of that, Travis avoided watching Helsing Ultimate Abridged. Because of a decision you made. <laughs> Without context, yes. <laughs> oh man, that that feels familiar. I feel like I've made decisions without context before. <laughs> not Not real context. enough context not really joe let's be honest (laughs) so yeah it was fun re-watching this show because i love it okay here's what i'm gonna say i want to give this a second chance the same episode the second chance with the dub because i feel like i missed out on the good version without the accents it just doesn't sell it and you notice the filler way more i think that's that's interesting because i think we was it in the yeah it was the zankyo no terror i watched the dub and you watched the sub there was a lot of conversation during like slow pans of multiple people yeah uh i feel like that happened in the dub this time as well but maybe not so in the sub yeah there was none of that in the sub now that i think about it yeah so it's just like voice work to fill out panning shots of here is an army of people it doesn't seem like that should be a big deal but it really can make a big difference it it can make a scene for sure yep absolutely so um that being said is it time to start to do the thing where we wrap up yes oh god he's rubbing his hands together folks we've started doing this with actual video feed now uh, so I get to see the visuals of this. It's terrifying. And I get to see Travis drink in despair in live action. In live action. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So. <laughs> Next time on WTF Anime.
So. Yeah? We don't have a guest next week. Nope, we're just rocking it solo, eh? Yeah, which means it's up to me to pick a show for you to watch. Oh, that's the worst. You're the worst. What do we got? So, you remember Bacchano? I do. I liked Bacchano. We're going to be watching a anime from the same novel author. Okay. Set in modern day Japan. So far I follow. With the Irish Grim Reaper. With the Irish Grim Reaper. Mm-hmm. That sounds really weird and interesting. So, next week, we are going to be watching Durarara, Episode 7, Badass Dude. Okay, the name's just detracted from <laughs> from it a little bit. But I know sometimes... Sometimes naming episodes isn't th- this guy's strong point, because we've got, uh, when we watched Bacchano, uh, what's what's the character's name? Uh, the Psychopath. Lad Russo enjoys laughing and slaughtering. Yeah, so... That's a good episode title. So, so we know that this guy doesn't do episode titles. He does a fine episode. That's great. It's just not the <laughs> title. That's not his strong suit. He should hire out. So... With that being said, we got our our next episode out of the way. Why don't you hit him with some business? And this time, watch the dub. Watch the dub. I got it. I want to make sure I put that out there, because otherwise you'll bitch about it. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I can do that. Should we hit business? Yeah, let's hit business. So, if you want to follow the show, we are at WTF Anime Show. And if you'd like to email the show, we are WTFAnimeShow at gmail.com. Use both those things to send us recommendations. I recently got a few recommendations in, which I'm super excited to uh, poke around with. And also, if you, if you want to be a guest on the show, we've had uh, plenty of uh, fantastic guests, and uh, we are we are looking for more. And if you want to talk about the show as you're live tweeting or whatever, if you feel like our show is worth it, I don't think it is, but if you want to do that, uh, it is hashtag WTF anime show, and as always, I can be found deprecating myself on Twitter at the Joe Hatfield. Travis, where can they find you? Oh, uh, you can find me at Dice Lobber on Twitter. D I C E L O B B E R. Well, that, that wraps it up. We did uh, fifty-six minutes in an hour, pending uh, editing. Well, yeah, we talked about a lot of stuff that wasn't anything to do with the show. (laughs) I think we covered it just fine, and I'm sure Matt, who recommended this episode to us, who, if you want to listen to his podcasts, are Fifth Draw Wild and Hard Reboot, plus I'm sure a multitude of like secret projects he's working on, because he's a big fan of those, you can find... um, all of his podcasts on iTunes, and he is at Matt Hoadley on the Twitters. So, with shouting out literally everyone on the planet done. Done. And with that, I think we can take it away. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.